Welcome to the 2024 season for Explore Yellowstone Like a Local, the number one downloaded podcast for Yellowstone and Grand Teton National Parks and home to the top-rated guidebook of the same name. And I am your author as well as your host for this and all the other podcasts as well as the videos, Teddy Garland. And this is the most popular podcast next to the hiking podcast I do, and that is planning your Yellowstone vacation. And for all of you out there that are wondering where you should stay, when you should come, the pros and cons of coming in the summer versus the spring and the fall and what you'll be able to see and do and when everything opens in the parks and all of that stuff. We're going to gloss over what is in the guidebook here. We're not going to get into detail about hotels and all that stuff, but we are going to go over certain dates and everything for you guys so you guys can listen to this podcast and kind of get an idea of what's in the guidebook that'll really help you guys plan and execute a great Yellowstone Park vacation. So, the guidebook has been called the best guidebook ever written for Yellowstone Park and a must-have for any trip to Yellowstone and even the Bible for Yellowstone National Park. So, if you're thinking about getting a guidebook for your Yellowstone Park vacation and you want some more information before you buy one, listen to my podcast, Introduction to Explore Yellowstone Like a Local, or you can watch my YouTube video of the same name, and there you'll hear about my family's over 100-year history in the Yellowstone area and how I am one of the foremost authorities on Yellowstone Park. And you will also hear how easy the guidebook is to use. It gives you step-by-step instructions that you guys can use to guide your family or your group easily and enjoyably through Yellowstone Park because the guidebook breaks the enormous size of Yellowstone Park down into manageable bites that you can do in a single day. And we're going to get into how big Yellowstone Park is here in a little while. So, And then we're also going to discuss how the guidebook helps you beat all the crowds to the top sites and hear some good stories in there as well. And how you guys can save thousands of dollars on your Yellowstone vacation by following my money-saving tips on flights, lodging, and dining that are in the guidebook that we're just going to gloss over here. I'm not going to get into the details of some of these alternate airports and all that stuff. You gotta pick up a guidebook to get all the to get the cake. This is just a little icing on that cake. These podcasts, you got. If you want to save a bunch of money, you got to get some cake. So anyway, and I highly recommend all of you guys join our Explore Yellowstone like a local Facebook group, where you can ask questions prior to coming to your trip, and not only will I, but people that have been in the park before will help answer those. And you can see hundreds of sparkling reviews for the guidebook, as well as thousands of pictures of the you guys have posted of you guys having a great time in Yellowstone Park with the help of the guidebook. And when you guys get back, we hope you guys do the same thing. It's really turned into a great venue for people to plan a trip and then post your pictures of a trip as well. And we've got some prizes for people that post stuff up on there as well that we're going to get into here in a second. So, to get your copy, simply go to our website, exploreyellowstonelikealocal.com, where you can get an electronic copy for only 12 bucks or a paperback copy for 25 bucks. And I write a personal note to everyone who buys one of those and throw in a cool Yellowstone sticker as well. And take note that the guidebook for the 2024 season is 20% longer than it was in 2023. So there's a lot more fun stuff to do in there. There's basically 90 to 100 days worth of stuff to do in that guidebook. So once you buy a guidebook, it'll take care of your guys' needs for multiple trips to Yellowstone and Grand Teton National Park. So, And there's also some combo deals on there that are very, very popular where people buy a paperback and an electronic copy as well. And we also have a store on there which has some neat trucker hats and t-shirts and stuff for kids on there and all that kind of stuff that are really, really popular. But be aware, everybody that wants a paperback copy, we only print on a thousand paperback copies every year 
to do our part to help save the environment and all that yada yada. You are visiting the world's most famous national park, so be it. And we ran out of those thousand guidebooks last year in 2023, about the first week in August. And you guys were trying to buy a paperback copy from us, and a lot of you guys were really pissed off at yours truly here. Like, I'm not, not going to do anything about that. I'm not going to print off more than a thousand paperback copies. If we run out, you can always get that electronic, but if you want a paperback, get it now. And if you just have Happen to be picking up on these podcasts and you're already up there and you want a paperback copy, we do uh, send a limited number of paperback copies to the book peddler in West Yellowstone. And we also send a little limited number, easy for me to say, of those to West Park Outdoors in West Yellowstone. And both of those outfits are really, really good stores. And they'll really help you guys out to get uh, pick up stuff like maps and things like that for your Yellowstone Park vacation. And so this podcast will is going to cover a lot of ground. And if I was going to go over everything that's in the guidebook, this podcast would take four or five hours. So it's going to be a quick gloss over of all the things that are in the guidebook to help you guys save time and money on your Yellowstone Park vacation. But we will get into detail of some of the dates in here and stuff that uh, to help you guys kind of plan when you should come. And uh, let's get into that next. So here we go with planning your Yellowstone Park vacation. Alright, so first things first, let's cover when you should arrive. Let's get on the opening dates of Yellowstone Park first. Yellowstone Park opens the third Friday in April every year, and it closes the first Monday of November. But I'm telling you guys, you want no part of Yellowstone Park from the day it opens until about May 15th, and you want no part of Yellowstone Park from around October 15th to October 20th, depending upon when it starts to snow and the snow starts to stick, until it closes. So let's kind of get into that a little bit real quick. The park opens up that third Friday in April. And that's when everybody gets in. That's when all the employees get in. That's when everybody goes in there to start getting stuff opened up and all that kind of stuff. Everybody goes bombing in there. They have the gates shut, permanently shut. The only people that can get in that gate are rangers. They're not going to allow employees to go in there. They're not going to allow anybody else to go in there that's going to go wandering around the park when stuff isn't ready to be opened up. So the employees, like say if you want to go visit the iconic Old Faithful Inn and walk in those giant red doors and go in there and see that big badass fireplace and go have a drink at the coolest bar in North America at the Bear Pit Bar, of which I cover all this stuff in the guidebook, the inn's going to be closed until May 15th. You're just burning your wheels. Plus, you know, we're going to get into the weather here in a little bit in a second. It's just freezing out that third Friday in April, and it just starts to get warmed up, and the snow just starts to get melted off about May 15th where you guys can go do stuff. And we're going we're gonna to get into the pros and cons of all that. I mean, the who wants to sit there and go watch Old Faithful go off and you're just sitting there watching steam come out of the ground because it's so cold outside. I mean, you might get a really pretty day those first three weeks the park is open or the last three weeks it's closed and get a day in the 40s, you know, maybe in the 50s. But that's going to be at three or four o'clock in the afternoon. In the mornings, it's generally really cold and snow snowy and cloudy and gray and dark, and you're going to go out there and watch Old Faithful go off and your family and everything else, and it's going to be you know 25 or 30 degrees out if you catch a crappy day, and you're going to go, well, did it go off? And you're going to look over at your wife and your kids, and everybody's going to go, I don't know. All we saw steam going up in the air. I mean, who wants to sit out there on a snow-covered bench and watch Old Faithful go off freezing your balls off? Oh, I can't say that. <laughs> I think I'm going to leave that in there. So, okay, sorry, everybody. I think I'm going to leave that in there. That's pretty funny. But that's what's going to happen. That's exactly what is going to happen. If you guys visit Yellowstone Park the first three weeks it's open after it opens up on the third Friday in April or visit after about October 15th or 20th in until it closes the first Monday of November. It is going to be miserably cold and snowy. The winters are really, really, really long and cold and snow. They measure snow in feet 
up there, not inches. And those summers are very, very, very short. So on that note, let's go over next when you should plan your visit to Yellowstone National Park. All right, so let's discuss park visitor numbers first. Roughly 5 million people come to Yellowstone Park every summer. And remember, the season basically starts that third Friday in April and ends about the first week in November. However, out of those 5 million people, 4 million of those people will visit between July 1st and September 1st. Basically, the gap between July 4th weekend and Labor Day weekend. And Yellowstone Park is absolutely overrun with people. Now, from that opening date until about May 15th, I mean, the the numbers are just minuscule. They're in the the tens upon thousands for that entire three-week period, which is, you know, nobody compared to the four million that come in those two months between July 1st and September 1st. And so, but around May 15th, until July 1st, that's a great time to visit because only about a half a million people visit then. Or if you want to come in the fall, starting around that Labor Day weekend, September 1st to about October 15th, you also only have about a half a million people visiting. It's a great time to visit. So here, here's what I do, you guys. This is, and you guys got to remember, my family has been going up there every summer for over a hundred years. I think this is 2024. I think this is our 104th year to spend up there in Yellowstone Park. And it'll be my 63rd year. I mean, I've been, and I go into Yellowstone Park around 50 to 80 times a summer. Man, I know what I'm doing. We, I've got, got a little history backing me up over here, I promise you. So I usually get to my cabin, which sits right outside of Yellowstone Park. I look right out over the boundaries of Yellowstone Park. Around May 12th, 13th or so, I get my cabinet opened up, and the first day I go into the parks about May 15th. The ends opened up, all the trails are getting opened up. I have a great time in Yellowstone Park. And what I do for you guys, and I might as well just throw this in here real quick, and this is also a really popular podcast, is I go through the park, I do the whole thing in about two days. And I take notes as I'm driving along of road construction, roads that may be closed, trails that may be closed. And I, and I publish this podcast for you guys of what to expect if you guys are happen to be arriving in the next few weeks after that May 15th date. And I, you know, anything that pops up along the way until I leave around the July 1st weekend, I publish a couple of what to expect when you arrive in Yellowstone Park podcast for you guys. And those would become really really, really popular because everybody wants to know what to expect. And last year in 2023, there were some huge road construction projects going on and I, and they took hours to get through. And I helped a lot of you guys commented about how, how we saved a ton of time and other people talked to other people that got caught in those big road construction projects and was sat in their car for half a day. Whereas that people that caught my podcasts ended up having a great day in Yellowstone Park and didn't stuck in any road construction. So I do those after I get up there May 15th for you guys every year. So you guys keep your ears open for those. So those are the dates I think you guys should come. I I, I just I would vo- avoid July and August like the plague. There's just the park is just inundated with people. You know. However, if you guys are coming in July and August, you know, don't worry, I've got you covered. We're getting ready to go over. You know how you should prepare before you go into Yellowstone Park in the guidebook to help you guys still have a great day in Yellowstone Park, no matter when you are visiting. So, all right. So let's go over the pros and cons of these dates. Let's discuss what to expect when you come between, you know, the first day it opens till the 15th and then May 15th, July 1st and and all that kind of stuff. Let me give you a kind of a synopsis of what you guys can expect on your Yellowstone vacation, depending upon when you're going to come. All right. So basically from the day the park opens until May 15th, 
pretty much the only thing you're going to be able to do is drive in from West Yellowstone and go to Old Faithful and freeze to death and watch Old Faithful go off. And, you know, walk through the other geyser basins, but there might be snow a foot, two feet, three feet deep on the boardwalks and the trails. You know, you might be able to get through them. They may have them closed. A lot of the trails remain closed early in the season throughout Yellowstone Park. They simply put up a tape barrier, like a police tape barrier, across the entries to the trails because they're not going to risk somebody slipping and falling and falling in a hot pool or down a cliff or something else. They just keep the trails closed until the snow melts off naturally. So you're real limited on what you can do. And let's say if you wanted to drive the South Loop around Yellowstone Park, around Yellowstone Lake and all that stuff, if you leave Old Faithful and want to go south to West Thumb and maybe on down to the Tetons and all that, you're not going to be able to do that when the park first opens up because you got Craig Pass right there. And Craig Pass is a big high mountain pass of 8,262 feet. It's a couple thousand feet higher than the ground is at Old Faithful. And let's say if you guys wanted to do the North Loop, go up and look bears and all that kind of stuff and swing around the whole North Loop and do the whole thing, make the whole drive, you're not going to be able to do that either because Dunraven Pass is closed because it's 8,878 feet, and Dunraven Pass usually doesn't open up until May 15th or so. And like I say, they're not going to go plow all these roads and stuff and have it snow again two nights later and have to go do it again. They wait until about May 15th to plow these high mountain passes, and then they keep them open as the people come in more and more and more. Like there's, They're not that concerned with a handful of people that want to visit the parks the first three weeks at open. Is it open in the spring? And the last three weeks, it's open in the fall. They're just not that concerned. When Craig Pass, Dunraven Pass gets snowed out, coming about the middle of end October, then that's it. They just shut them down. They shut they shut Dunraven Pass down, whether there's snow on top of it or not. They just shut Dunraven Pass down about the third week in October, no matter what. I don't care if there's not an inch of snow on it. Trust me, I have skateboarded down Dunraven Pass and hit 50 miles an hour on a longboard around October 21st because it was closed. There went an inch of snow on the whole thing. And then for those of you that might want to stay in Cody, we're going to get into where you should stay here in a second. You've got Sylvan Pass. And Sylvan Pass is this big, twisting, high mountain pass over there. And if you guys are trying to stay in Cody and get into the park, we're, we're going to go into where you should stay here in a second. Sylvan Pass is 8,500 plus feet too. Same boat. They're not going to plow that thing. And there's nothing worse than getting stuck in a small town somewhere and not being able to access Yellowstone Park because you can't get over Sylvan Pass. And like I mentioned earlier, not going to be able to get in any of the facilities. All the gas stations are closed spring and then fall. Uh, the Old Faithful Inn cl is closed. You can't go through those iconic red doors and go to the fantastic Old Faithful Inn, which is not to be missed on any trip to Yellowstone Park. And you're going to get over to the canyon area, and all the trails except Artist Point are going to be closed in the canyon area. And, the, and you want to get down to the brink of the Lower Falls, and that brink of the Lower Falls trail doesn't open until about May 15th. And that is a not-to-be-missed stop on any trip to Yellowstone Park. It is right up there with Old Faithful and Grand Geyser and the Grand Tetons. That the brink of the Lower Falls is my one of my favorite spots in all of Yellowstone Park. And then the Canyon Visitor Center, which is a badass. The Canyon Visitor Center's got it going on. But that Canyon Visitor Center won't open until May 15th. The rest of the Visitor Center in the park, you could... Don't need to worry about they're terrible. They suck. But that Canyon Visitor Center's flat ass got it going on, and it won't open until about May 15th. And then again, it'll close around October 15th to October 20th, depending upon the snow level. So that's the pros and cons. And, you know, besides, you know, freezing to death while you're watching Old Faithful go off. So, but beginning May 15th to July 1st, everything is opened up and the bears are just out and about, man, early in the season like that and where you can actually drive through the entire park. You can go up there on the North Loop and read my chapter, Bears and Wolves in Yellowstone Park and where you go and where you're supposed to hunt to find these things and where you're going to see them. I've got an entire chapter devoted to finding bears and wolves in Yellowstone Park and tell you everything you need to know to go find those things. 
And I'm telling you guys, those bears are out and about for May 15th up until about the middle end of June. And that's when they start kind of hiding in the trees because it starts to get really warm through there. And so we're going to get into a, some of the fun stuff we have in the guidebook, some competitions to win some free t-shirts and some free swag about who sees the most bears and all that stuff. We're going to get in all that in a second. And you guys, the whitewater rafting up in the Big Sky area, I've got an entire chapter in the guidebook devoted to whitewater rafting. The whitewater rafting begins about that second and third week in May up on the Gallatin up by Big Sky. I mean, there are 40 named rapids in about 12 miles of floating. It is off the charts. And from May 15th to about July 1st, that is when it's just at its peak. I mean, it is an absolute ball. The water is just raging. You're just going through these huge waves and everything else. It's a blast. I mean, I've got an entire chapter devoted to whitewater rafting and then riding four-wheelers. All the four-wheeler season opens up right there in West Yellowstone and the surrounding areas right about May 15th. I've got an entire chapter devoted riding four-wheelers because that has become very, very popular. And all the hikes start opening up. The hikes inside the park, outside the park, all the hikes start opening up. The hiking uh, chapter in the guidebook is by far the biggest chapter, and I cover all the best of the best hikes, and we're going to get into that more here in a second. And then here comes that July 4th weekend, man. And I mean the line of cars coming into the town of tiny town of West Yellowstone never seems to end until the, the September 1st weekend until Labor Day weekend, 4 million people just inundate Yellowstone Park for those two months in July and August, and it, it is just overrun. I avoid Yellowstone Park like the plague in July and August. I just don't put up with it anymore. The crowds, the people, everybody's there. You'll, you'll stand there watching Old Faithful go off, and there'll be 30, maybe even 40,000 people Every 90 minutes for every eruption. It's it's unbelievable. Now, in the guidebook, I tell you where it had a great place to watch Old Faithful go off that puts you 100 feet closer to the cone, and you might have a dozen people standing over there, and a half of those dozen people are going to have a guidebook under your, their arm that I sold them. So, but yeah. I've got great places to come watch, go watch Old Faithful go off from that are away from all the hordes and the crowds, plus you're 100 feet closer to the cone. So, you know, but all that's in the guidebook. I'm not going to get into all that stuff here. And then beginning right after Labor Day weekend, that September 1st weekend, the crowds just dive down because school starts and everything else and all these kids got to go back to school and everything else. So you start getting that only a half a million people for that 45-day period. And the Aspens turning in front of the Tetons are just not to be missed. And we get you on this uh, road, this kind of hidden secret road that slings along the southern edge of Yellowstone Park and the northern edge of Grand Teton. On, and you guys can't believe the colors of the Aspens driving along this kind of secret road that 99.9% of people don't even know exists. But I've got it for you in the guidebook. And the hiking is just off the charts. Great. In the Beckler area, the Beckler region of Yellowstone Park that nobody knows of. If you guys are listening to this, you've never been to Yellowstone Park, you're going to go, what is the Beckler region of Yellowstone Park? The Beckler region is without question one of the top hiking destinations on planet Earth. And I I cover it in depth. It is my favorite part of Yellowstone Park to go hiking in. It's where all the hot pots are. 80% of the park's waterfalls are located in Beckler. I mean, the cover shot for the guidebook is at Union Falls, the tallest double falls on Earth, 250 feet crashing right behind you. Lisa's standing there with a rainbow shooting right over her head in front of Union Falls. I mean, the Beckler area has got it going on, and I covered everything you need to know to, get to execute a great day down in Beckler. You can day hike down there, or you can overnight hike down there, is in the hiking chapter in the guidebook. The fall at time is unbelievable in Yellowstone Park and Grand Teton National Park with those aspens turning in front of the Tetons on, on Jenny Lake and stuff like that. You just can't believe it. It's absolutely unbelievable. So that September 1st to October 15th, the crowds die down every single day. You go into the park, you just see less and less and less people. But then starting around that October 15th, that 20th date, it snows, the snow starts to stick more, it doesn't melt off in the afternoon like 
like it does. And then before you know it, they start closing everything. They close the Old Faithful Inn. They start closing the the trails in the canyon area. You can't go do that stuff anymore. It just gets really crappy and cold again. And who wants to go sit there and watch Old Faithful and Grand and the other guys just go off while you guys are just freezing to death? It's not any good. So here's the synopsis of everything. Just do what I do, man. Just take it from Teddy. I promise you, man, we've been going up there for over 100 years. We've got it figured out. Plan your Yellowstone Park vacation to arrive right around the May 15th and then leave sometime around July 1st. And then avoid July and August like the plague if you can under any circumstances, I promise you. Come back around September 1st and then stay till about October 15th. And you guys got to remember, we're going to talk about money here in a second, but during those shoulder seasons in the spring and then the fall, your rooms are cheaper. Your flights are cheaper. Everything's going to cost you less money. If you come in July and August, the, a room you can pick up for 250 bucks a night, say from May 15th to July 1st, may cost you another 100 bucks a night or more. I mean, it's just simple economics. It's just supply and demand. If you got 4 million people vying for the same room in the July and August versus only a half a million and from May 15th to July 1st or from September 1st to October 15th, that room is going to cost you a lot less money. So just take it from me. I know what I'm doing. You guys follow my lead and you guys will have a much better time in your Yellowstone Park and you're going to save some cheese. We're going to get into that a little bit more in depth here in a second. So. That covers when you should arrive. Now let's cover where you should stay. All right, so let's talk about proximity to Yellowstone Park, the closest, easiest access to all the big items in, in Yellowstone National Park. So your first choice is the little town of West Yellowstone. If you guys pull up a map of Yellowstone Park on your phone, if you haven't got a guidebook yet, because we have all the maps and stuff in the back of the guidebook that you guys need, but if you haven't bought a guidebook yet, pull up a map of Yellowstone Park and look at it, and you will see the little town of West Yellowstone right in the dead middle on the west side of Yellowstone Park are right next to the boundary of Yellowstone Park. I mean, it is right there. As the name implies, the town of West Yellowstone is right on the border of the western side of Yellowstone Park. It is by far and away the quickest, easiest access to the, the big items in Yellowstone Park, too. I mean, it is literally 14 miles from West Entry Gate to Madison Junction, where you hit the lower loop. If you guys will look at the map, there's a there's two big loops. There's a big one on the bottom, a little smaller one on the top. It looks like a figure eight. You hit that western side of that lower loop, and bam, you go from Madison Junction to Old Faithful is the most action-packed section in all of Yellowstone Park. There's more to do in that one section of row between Madison Junction down to Old Faithful than the rest of Yellowstone Park combined. And you're, you're just right there. You're boom, you're there in 15 minutes, and you're just right in all the action. So if you guys want to stay down in Jackson Hole, and you hear how great Jackson Hole is and all that kind of stuff, let me tell you how far Jackson Hole is south of Yellowstone Park. Once you leave Jackson Hole, you got to drive all the way up through Grand Teton, and then you go through the south entry gate, which usually has only one entrance open, so there's usually a huge line to get in the gate down there. The west entry gate has five lanes. There's one line down there getting in the south entry, so that line is usually really, really long. So you're going to end up spending roughly three hours in your car getting from Jackson Hole up to, say, the Old Faithful area, and that's on a good day. You can be, it can be up to four hours or more to get up there. So, And you guys got to think about that. That's each direction. You're going to spend six to eight hours every single day in your car needlessly. There's no reason to stay down there. The Grand Tetons are just a, a one-day adventure on your Yellowstone Park vacation. It only takes one day to go down and see everything that there is to do in the Grand Tetons. I've got an entire chapter devoted to going down and seeing all the highlights of the Grand Tetons, ferry boat ride across Jenny Lake, hiking up Cascade Canyon. You guys can go down to Jackson Hole and mess around down there. It only takes about an hour or two to walk the square and see Jackson Hole. The the Tetons and Jackson Hole are simply a one-day adventure on your Yellowstone Park vacation. And then that's it. You don't need to spend any more time down there. So there's absolutely no reason to stay in Jackson Hole, not to mention that the cost of rooms in Jackson Hole 
whole are double or more that they would cost you in and around the town of West Yellowstone. Jackson Hole is one of the most expensive towns in the United States. It is up there. I'm telling you guys. And then a lot of you guys like to stay in Cody. People are they're driving in from the eastern United States. They look at a map and they see Cody over there on the eastern boundary. But Cody's the same deal. You get and remember, if you guys are coming early or late in the season, Sylvan Pass stays closed a lot. Sylvan Pass usually doesn't open up consistently and stay open until that first or second week in June. I mean, you drive through the gate of West Yellowstone, it'll say Sylvan Pass closed, Sylvan Pass closed every day up until about the middle of June. And if you guys are planning on coming, you know, in May and accessing Yellowstone Park from Cody, you've got to cross over Sylvan Pass and you just it, it'll stay closed. If you guys get some snow, you're done. And there's nothing worse, like we talked about earlier, and getting stuck in a, in a little town right on the boundaries of Yellowstone Yellowstone Park and not being able to access the the great things in Yellowstone Park. And once you're stuck in Cody, you can't drive around. It's you're going to be driving all day to get into Yellowstone Park. If Sylvan Pass is closed, you're kind of jonesed. So and then a lot of people look at Gardner. Gardner's another town on the north end of Yellowstone Park. And Gardner's a great little town. But it's really small and there's not a whole lot to do there. And so, but Gardner's the same thing. You enter, enter from Gardner. You got to get to Mammoth, Mammoth to Norris and then Norris to Madison Junction. And then you get in there. You're spending about an hour and a half to two hours in your car versus just driving that 14 miles from West Yellowstone to get to that same spot at Madison Junction where all the action starts. So I'm just telling you guys, West Yellowstone is set up and it's right there on the boundary. I mean, just look at a map. Boom. You're going to Yellowstone, West Yellowstone right there, right on the boundary of Yellowstone Park and right next to all the big ticket items, Old Faithful and all that. And you can be up the canyon area in about 45 minutes from West Yellowstone. And the canyon area is even further from Jackson Hole up there because you got to drive all the way around Yellowstone Lake and get up there. Jackson Hole is way, way too far south and it's way, way too expensive to use as a home base for Yellowstone Park vacation. But I tell you guys all of that in detail in the guidebook. So Gardner's only got about, God, I bet 250, maybe 300 hotel rooms. West Yellowstone's got 5,000 hotel rooms right in the town of West Yellowstone and then right around the surrounding areas within about a 15 to 20 mile drive, 5,000 hotel rooms. So you guys can really get after it. And in the guidebook, I list my top nine places to stay right there in West Yellowstone. I give you guys some good budget options. And I stay away from all the big corporate hotels like the Kelly Inn and all these big places that you would see like on the side of an interstate. I get you guys to some really unique places that you know, fit the mood of being in Yellowstone Park and all that, like a cabin in the trees that backs up to the boundary of Yellowstone Park, or you get out and you got your own little cabin out there and you're sitting around some Adirondack chairs and a big fire pit and you're cooking marshmallows with the kids. And and then I've got some great places to stay right outside of Yellowstone Park where you guys can stay on a, on a beautiful, slow-moving river and have a cabin that fronts right on the river right there, or stay at a high mountain lake over there where you guys have rented a pontoon boat that you can pull up right to your dock and take the kids out fishing every day after you guys get out of Yellowstone Park. I say this over and over and over again that the fun doesn't stop when you leave the gates of Yellowstone Park. And fo- let me throw in a story here. Anybody that's listened to any of my podcasts in the past know I love throwing these stories in here. And so I had a guy that bought a guidebook and ended up staying on, on one of the rivers we've got right outside of West Yellowstone over there. Got a, a riverfront cabin right there. I mean, the water was 10 feet off his back deck right there. So he went into town, into West Yellowstone, and bought a couple spinning rods for his little kids. His two, he had two little boys, a little six-year-old boy and a little 10-year-old boy or something like that, and bought a couple little spinners for him and everything else. They would go out after they got out of Yellowstone Park and had a great day in Yellowstone Park, followed all the stuff in the guidebook. He sent me some pictures of these fish that his kids had caught every evening. They would go back to their little cabin right there on this river, and the kids would go fishing. They'd keep take the fish in there, and then the mother would cook them for dinner. 
I mean, how cool is that, you guys? That is really cool stuff. And I've got all that information in the guidebook for you guys, where that is and where you can rent these cabins and all this yada yada. It's really, really got it going on. And, uh, you know, and then you go to these lakefront cabins. A lot of you guys get these lakefront cabins over there. And uh, we put information in the guidebook of where you guys can rent a boat to fit. If you've got a huge family or a big group, i got a place where you guys can rent a pontoon boat and take the whole group out fishing in the evenings and go out there and catch some big fish. You guys are Remember, the sun comes up a little after five in the morning in the summer months, and it doesn't go down until nine. I mean, the days are really, really long up there. So you guys get, once you get out of Yellowstone Park, you've still got four or five hours of sunlight to go do fun stuff like this. And all of that information's in the guidebook for you guys. And also in the guidebook, we list all of these really fun outside-the-park activities. It takes about five days to sit visit Yellowstone Park, about four days in Yellowstone Park in the guidebook, and then about one day to see the Tetons. It takes about five days to visit everything there is to do in Yellowstone, as well as chunk in Grand Teton as well. But we cover all of these outside-the-park activities for you guys as well in the guidebook, and they're all accessed right from the little town of West Yellowstone, like whitewater rafting. We talked about that a little bit of go. Horseback riding. Horseback riding in the park sucks, but right outside the park, I've got four concessionaires that get you up to some high mountain peaks and everything else where you're looking over the Grand Tetons and the Yellowstone Caldera, and as opposed to with riding with 50 or 60 people you've never seen before in your life in a big, dusty, nose-to-tail deal, you're riding with just your family or your group at these places. And then, you know, kayaking, SUPing down that slow-moving river and stuff like that, four-wheelers, the rodeo, all the stuff is located right outside of Yellowstone Park. So let me tell you guys a quick story here about, about uh, a lady that purchased a guidebook. This is 2024. I believe it was in 2022. And uh, this lady just stumbled onto the podcast. And uh, she ended up buying a guidebook, and they were staying down in Jackson Hole. And she ended up changing her lodging up to West Yellowstone. And she told me she saved right at two thousand bucks. They were staying for a full week. She saved almost two grand just by switching her lodging from Jackson Hole up to West Yellowstone. And then she changed her flights. We're getting ready to get into flights here in a second. She changed her flights from Jackson Hole to one of these outskirt airports. I've got listed for you guys in the guidebook. And she ended up saving $480 a person on her flights. And she just couldn't believe it. So she saved almost 4000 bucks just by buying a guidebook and then making some changes to her trip. And just and she goes, we just didn't know. And she didn't know that it was too far, Jackson Hole was too far south to access Yellowstone Park. And she just didn't know how easy it was to get into Yellowstone Park from the West Yellowstone area. And she just sent me a bunch of pictures, big thank you note and everything else. And they just had a blast. They ended up having a blast and they saved almost $4,000, man. That's some serious cheese. And she utilized the tips on saving money on her flights with the out, outside the park airports that I recommend you guys fly into to save save money on your flights. I mean, it's great to be able to fly in right to West Yellowstone because it's right there on the outside of town. I mean, I'll tell you how close the airport is from West Yellowstone to Yellowstone Park. You could land on the United flight in the morning at 9.30, jump in your rental car and be watching Old Faithful go off at 11 o'clock and then go have lunch inside the Old Faithful Inn. That's how close the West Yellowstone Airport is to the main sites in Yellowstone Park. However, it can be really, really expensive to fly in to the little airport of West Yellowstone. It's a seasonal airport. There's few flights to choose from, and there's small airplanes. But I give you alternative airports you guys can fly into that have a lot of flights, and rental cars are cheaper, and the whole deal. And so you guys can end up saving money like she did on your flights and your lodging just by picking up a guidebook. I'm telling you guys, there's some great budget options in the guidebook. I've got a budget option in the guidebook for your lodging where you can stay for less than a hundred bucks a night. I'm telling you guys, the only thing cheaper than that anywhere around Yellowstone Park is sleeping in your car on the side of the highway. But I've got a place in there where you can stay for less than a hundred bucks a night and it has great reviews. So I'm not going to get into all that here. It's all in the guidebook for you guys. And so and the last big money-saving tip we got for you guys is dining. I, I've got my favorite places to go eat in, in the little town of West Yellowstone and the surrounding areas for you guys, and I only send you to places where I go, and I'm only going to go to places where 
I get a good meal at a good price and I get good service. And I send you guys to all of those. Trust me, I am just like you guys. I am never going to waste time and money in my life. And I'm sending you guys to the places I go and everybody goes there and they love them. We also have tips on buying groceries and everything else, but all of that is in the guidebook for you guys. So you guys can save some money on feeding that clan. And, you know, dad's ears just perked up right there because dad gets pretty tired of whipping out that wallet three times a day and feeding everybody because it can be expensive, but we've got some real good money-saving tips on dining in and around Yellowstone Park. So we just went over how the guidebook can save you guys a lot of money on your Yellowstone Park vacation. Let's now discuss how the guidebook can save you time. All right, let's discuss how big Yellowstone Park is next. And Yellowstone Park is just enormous. It is 3,500 square miles and sits in three states, Idaho, Wyoming, and Montana. It is an enormous, enormous national park. And I'll be telling you, give you guys how, uh, some description and some ideas about how big Yellowstone Park re- really is. The main Yosemite Valley, everybody's familiar with Yosemite National Park and the main Yosemite Valley where El Capitan is, all the waterfalls and all that. That's where the main area of people go to see Yosemite. And it takes about all day to see that little area of Yosemite National Park right there. But you can fit 583 Yosemite Valleys inside the boundaries of Yellowstone Park. You can fit 15 New York cities inside the boundaries of Yellowstone Park. Yellowstone Park is the size of Connecticut. It catches everybody off guard how big Yellowstone Park is. So let me tell you how I set the guidebook up. This is one of the main premises of the guidebook is the guidebook breaks Yellowstone Park down into sections or areas that you can easily and enjoyably go do in a single day. And they're just these one-day adventures in Yellowstone Park. Like it takes about four days to go see everything, all the top sites in Yellowstone Park. Go see all the geysers go off. Go visit the rest of the geyser basins in Grand Prismatic. Go over the canyon area and the mud volcanoes in Yellowstone Lake. See the entire South Loop. Then go do the North Loop up there and see all the bears and wolves and everything else. And there is a individual chapter that goes over each one of those things. And so once you want to go do one of those things, like go see bears and wolves, all you have to do is read that one chapter and you're set. You'll know everywhere you're going, you will be able to self-guide your family or your group through the park to go see bears and wolves. And I tell you everything you're doing, the side roads you need to go down, where you're going to see black bears, where you're going to see grizzlies, where you're going to see wolves, all of that is covered in that one chapter. And everybody's going to want to watch geysers go up, but it takes all day to go to the old faithful geyser basin and watch all the predictable geysers erupt through there. So once you go pick that geyser day chapter, it's called geyser day, old faithful grand and all the rest. I tell you where to park. I tell you how to go get to all predicted times. I tell you how the geyser basin works. We provide a full-size map of the entire geyser basin in the back of the guidebook, which is twice as big as the one they give you in the visitor center because the The one in the visitor center only covers half of the geyser basin. It stops down at Morning Glory Pool and Riverside, but it keeps going. I tell you how where you guys can rent bikes so you guys can get up and down through the geyser basins efficiently and easily. And besides Old Faithful area, the next most popular thing in Yellowstone Park is the canyon area where the lower falls are and Artist Point and everything else. And I've got an entire chapter devoted to the south loop where the canyon is. And I tell you where to go first, second, third, fourth, and So you stay ahead of all of the people that just inundate that area all day long. So let me let me throw in another story real quick with you guys. So uh, I was in the park in June, middle of June in 2023, and went into the park, and I went over to the canyon area. I was just going to do some hiking around the canyon area, and I got over there at the time. I tell you guys to get, get over there, so we're staying in front of the, the 10 or 15,000 people that inundate that area all day long. And I walked up to Artist Point, and there was two people there. And normally there's about 150, 200, or 300 people up there. There's two people up there when I tell you guys to get there. And I'm milling around looking at the canyon area and all that stuff, looking at the lower falls off in the distance. And, you know, I'm not going to take another picture. I've got a million pictures of all that. And this girl spins around and she looks over at me and she goes, 
you're Teddy Garland, aren't you? And I said, yes, I am. And her boyfriend spins around and he goes, that's the guy we've been listening to on all these podcasts for the last two weeks. And she goes, yep. And she goes, I wouldn't have believed it. And I go, what do you mean? She goes, I've been in Yellowstone Park for 20 years. I've been up on this platform probably 30 times in my life. And there's just a mob of people up here just in standing in line waiting to get to the picture spot with the falls in the background down the staircase and everything else. And uh, that her boyfriend goes, really? And goes, boy, that's kind of suck. And she goes, yeah, it sucks bad. She goes, I bought your guidebook. I followed all the tips. I followed all the instructions in here. And I'm up here standing here with three people up here. And uh, I go, yeah, it works. And I said, you know, we're about 15 minutes ahead of those 10,000, 15,000 people that are going to inundate this area because I know when those people are going to get there, those busloads, just busload after busload after busload of, of people are going to get there 15 minutes after I send you there. And then I'm going to tell you where to go second and then third and then fourth and then fifth in the canyon area to stay in front of all those people. And all my friends in West Yellowstone are all guides in the park and I know where they take their huge groups. So I, I'm keeping everybody out in front. You're self-guiding yourself through the canyon area and I'm you all you have to do is follow the instructions in the guidebook and you've got the entire canyon area to yourself and you're not sharing it with 10 or 15,000 other people waiting in line jostling with a bunch of people waiting to get a selfie picture taken you know you're out in front of everybody enjoying all the great sights in the canyon area and then we by the time we're done in the canyon area the canyon area is inundated with 15,000 people and we're out of there we're going somewhere else we're doing the rest of the south loop and we're staying out in front of everybody that's how the guidebook works the guidebook breaks Yellowstone Park down into manageable bites or areas that you can easily and enjoyably do in one day and keeps you out in front of all of the other people. That That's the way you save time. You're not wasting time stuck in line with a bunch of people waiting to take a selfie anywhere. You've got the entire part to yourself. I'm telling you, it works like a champion. So, all right, so that's how you save time in there. All right, so now let's also go over what else is in the guidebook. There's a rating system in there. Now that we're talking about the canyon area, there's a rating system on how good an item is and then how difficult an item is, is to get to. So while we're in this canyon area, let's talk about two spots in the canyon area that are not to be missed on any trip to Yellowstone National Park. And the first is Artist Point. And Artist Point is back there. You're looking back up the Golden Canyon. The falls are back over there and everything else. And you can park right there in the parking lot. It's easy to get down there. You go down there and walk up the stairs, and boom, you're at Artist Point. And it's just super easy. Anybody can do it. Anybody can get there. But one of the other not-to-be-missed spots in Yellowstone Park that we talked about earlier is the Brink of the Lower Falls. And the Brink of the Lower Falls is just an, a magnificent spot. It's one of the coolest spots on planet Earth. It is absolutely Absolutely top-notch. It ranks up there with the Grand Tetons, Old Faithful, Grand Geyser, all the rest. It is absolutely an astoundingly beautiful spot and not to be missed, but it's difficult to get down there. you got to swing back and forth, back and forth, down these zigzag little walkways to get down there. It takes about 10 minutes to get down, but it's a, it takes about 15 minutes to get back up, and it's a little strenuous. So it just like Artist Point, it has a happy face rating of 5, which means it is not to be missed on any trip to Yellowstone Park, but it has a difficulty rating of three, whereas Artist Point had a difficulty rating of one because it's so easy to get to. So that's how that rating system works. And so, and also on the other side of the coin, like stuff at Norris, Norris is kind of a dud in Yellowstone Park. Norris is, and it's kind of hard to walk around the walkways of Norris because they're all, it's all dirt and janky and there's rocks sticking up and roots and all this other kind of crap. So Norris has a difficulty rating of me to three, but it has a happy face rating of one. So you guys can kind of look at that and gauge how how difficult an area is to get to and then how great it is by that happy face rating. If it's got five happy faces and a one, then it's awesome and easy to get to like Old Faithful. If it's got a one happy face rating and it's five difficulty, then you're blowing it off. So that's kind of how that works. That's a really cool rating system we've got in there that everybody loves. 
And you guys got to remember, everybody that buys a guidebook gets access to our private YouTube page where we have shot videos of every top site in Yellowstone Park. In the back of every guidebook, there's a QR code you can scan with your phone, and that will give you access to our private YouTube page where we have around 170 videos of, of items listed in the guidebook. In the guidebook, you'll find a YouTube icon next to a high highlighted item that is listed to go see in Yellowstone or Grand Teton National Park. And then if you want to go see a video of that one item, then all you have to do is click on that icon. It opens up our private YouTube page. You can find that item and watch me talk about it. I'll talk about it at the start and then what the trail looks like or whatever. And then the finish line so you can actually see that. It really helps you plan and execute a really cool Yellowstone Park vacation because you can actually see these things as opposed to me talking about them or seeing just a picture or two in the guidebook. And that is the largest single library of videos ever compiled for Yellowstone and Grand Teton National Park. And it's only access to those who buy a guidebook. So that's some really, really cool stuff. So and while we're on the subject of really, really, really cool stuff, let's talk about all the fun things that are in the guidebook where you guys can win some free stuff while you guys are bombing around Yellowstone Park having a great time with the help of the guidebook. Let's talk about fun free stuff next. All right, when you guys go to our website, you'll see a store on there, and it's got some cool T-shirts and bucket hats and trucker hats and all this kind of cool stuff. And uh, so here's what we do. Here's the first thing we do to give away from for some free stuff to everybody who purchases a guidebook. New for the 2024 season, here's what we're going to do. We are going to have a drawing on the first of every month starting on February 1st and ending on October 1st. We're going to have a drawing for some free t-shirts for you, everybody in your family or your group. Or we're going to have a drawing for one of the restaurants in town, a gift certificate to one of the restaurants in West Yellowstone that we recommend you guys go eat at. So you guys can have a free meal on us just for purchasing a guidebook. Or you guys can go in the Book Peddler or West Park Outdoors. We'll have a drawing for both of those. Or you guys can go in and get free maps and maybe a pair of binoculars or something like that. We're going to give away a gift certificate to all of these really great places that are listed in the guidebook as well as our store on our website for you guys at the first of every month. And we're going to have fun with these drawings. And I'm going to have, I'm, I've got some really interesting ideas about how to have fun with these drawings. And uh, Lisa's been shooting down a lot of them, but uh, I'm still going to have some fun with it. So that's so anybody that buys a guidebook for the on each month, we're going to put everybody's name in a, in a hat, and then we're going to draw that name out there, and we'll have obviously tell you what prize you guys are going to get, like if it's going to Wild West Pizza, you're going to get a $50 gift certificate to Wild West Pizza, and then we're going to draw a name out of the hat, and then we're going to mail that gift certificate to you guys so you guys can use it on your trip and feed your clan or go get some fun prizes or whatever. So that's what what we're going to do, have a drawing on the first of each month all summer long. Another way you guys can get some free stuff is to do our Explorer Skills Challenge that's listed in the guidebook for you guys. And this is, we've had this going for years now. And this is really fun, especially for families with small kids. There's three levels of this Skills Challenge. One is very easy for families with small little kids. One's a little more difficult. One's really difficult. But anybody that completes these skills challenges, and what you do is you you read these pu these puzzles as kind of a riddle, and then you kind of figure out what item that is in Yellowstone Park. Then you guys go f take a picture in front of it, and then you guys send us all these pictures, and everybody has a ball doing that. And it gets you to some places that you probably would not never have stopped at otherwise. And then at the end of the end of the year, we send everybody f that completes the skills challenges free T-shirts for everybody in their group. So that's another way to get some free swag from us. And then we also started in 2023, we have a bear sighting competition. And so we decided to start doing a bear competition that is tied to our Explore Yellowstone Like a Local Facebook group. And last year, Lisa and I went through the park and we saw eight bears 
And I go, man, that's a lot of bears, man. I don't know if I can't remember the last time I went through the park and we saw eight bears. God, we saw them all in less than an hour. And on this, exactly where I send you guys in the in the bear wolf chapter in the guidebook, just boom, 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 boom. We couldn't drive a mile and not see another bear. It was really cool. And so Lisa posted that on our Facebook group. And then I kind of had the idea, hey, I said, whoever sees the most bears in Yellowstone Park each year and post them on our Facebook group is going to get free swag for their entire group of their entire family. So she put that on there, this competition deal. And then the next week we had a guy see 10 bears. It's like, all right, you know, and he's got pictures of them all, man, you know, cubs count and the whole nine yards. Then about two weeks later, we had a guy see 12 bears just by following the tips in the guidebook before lunch. And we, you know, we sent him all this stuff. Then we did a, a video with him and all the stuff that we're going to publish on our, our Facebook page and everything else. And he just had a ball, man. You know, he goes, just, he'd been in Yellowstone Park a number of times and hardly seen anything. And he goes, I just follow the tips in the guidebook, man. We saw 12 bears before lunch because it was so cool. So we're having the bear competition. So. But that's just three fun ways that you guys can win stuff. And, you know, you're in the drawing automatically when you buy a guidebook, either electronic or paperback. It doesn't make, make any difference. We're going to put your name in the hat at the start of each month and draw somebody's name out there. And they're going to get a cool gift certificate somewhere or some free stuff from us. And then the Explorer Skills Challenge, which has been really fun with families. And then that third level, that Teddy G level, by the way, not only if anybody completes that puppy, and I've heard everybody says every year that they're going to complete complete the Teddy G level. I do it. And uh, you not only get free stuff from us, I'm going to give you a hundred bucks, hundred dollar bill. Anybody completes that. I can say that every year and nobody's done it yet. And so, but yeah, that's some fun stuff. Then the bear competition is really cool too. So, all right. So let's talk about kind of closing this thing out, you know, hiking and then the Tetons and some, some highlights in the guidebook about the, the hiking chapter. Cause a lot of people like to go hiking and we're going to kind of close this podcast down right here on planning your Yellowstone vacation, but I want to discuss some of the hikes and stuff that are in there so you guys can use those to plan your Yellowstone vacation if you guys want to spend some time day hiking or overnight hiking in Yellowstone Park. All right, a lot of people want to go do some hiking when they get to Yellowstone Park. But there's a thousand miles of trails in Yellowstone Park, plus you got Grand Teton attached to the south side of it down there, and there's some great hikes in the Tetons. So you can't just wing it going out hiking in Yellowstone Park. And, and 85, 80, 85% of all the trails are just hiking in the trees. And God, why would you ever do that in Yellowstone Park? Yellowstone Park, because of the thermal activity and you're hiking on an active volcano, has some of the coolest, most unbelievable features to go hiking to. I mean, the destination hikes. I mean, I get you to the best of the best of the best in both parks. And in Yellowstone Park, I get you guys to a backcountry geyser where you can watch geysers erupt back there with nobody around and go swim in a hot pot or get in a a big, huge, thermally heated waterfall coming off about 110 feet and you can walk behind it and come out the other side. That's the places I get you to in the guidebook. I mean, there are 10,000 thermal features in Yellowstone Park, including 500 geysers and the boardwalks, the main boardwalks up around Old Faithful and Grand Prismatic and all that yada yada, they get you to less than 10% of these geysers and these hot pools and everything else. I have been all over Yellowstone Park. I go where there are no trails. I go where there are no boardwalks and I have found the best of the best of the best backcountry beautiful hot pools and geysers in Yellowstone Park and there's no trails and there's no way you're ever going to find these things without that guidebook because these trails don't exist anywhere else. They're not in any other guidebook. They are in my head. I have found these things going into Yellowstone Park thousands of times over the last 60 years. They're not going to show up on any of those maps that I told you guys about either, those Nat Geo maps. They are in my head, but I have hand-drawn maps of how to get to these badass geysers and pools and stuff that you guys can go see on your Yellowstone Park vacation. And some of these are so seldom seen that less than 100 people have been back there since the inception of the park in 1872. I'm telling you, it is badass. And so there's some great hikes in that guidebook for you guys. And in the I, I get you guys right up into the spires of the Tetons. 
on easy hikes that are suitable for kids where you can have the Grand Teton shooting off your left shoulder and another one shooting off your right shoulder and you're walking on a dead flat trail. And for those that are feeling a little more frisky, I get you guys to some of the really good tough hikes right to the base of the Teton Peaks where, I mean, the only other thing you could do that's any tougher and more beautiful and pretty and astounding is to summit the Grand Teton. But I get you to the best of the best of the best. And then I also cover great hikes that are suitable for the smallest kid in your group or the elderly where you can hike around some lakes right in front of the Tetons and have the Tetons shimmering in a glass mirror lake right in front of you. But then I also tell you hikes to avoid in the Tetons. I get you away from the hikes where you're hiking with thousands of people and people listening to rap music out loud on their phones and all that stuff. I get you away from all of that stuff. I get you to the best of the best hike in the Tetons and the best of the best hikes in Yellowstone Park. And I mean, I've got 18 day hikes listed in the guidebook for you guys that you can choose from that are suitable for the smallest hiker in your group. A small toddler can do them or the elderly can do them. And then I've got 17 little bit tougher hikes that may not be suitable for smaller kids, but they'd be suitable for a teenager, but probably not the elderly. And I've got all of those listed and they're scattered all over Yellowstone Park. No matter where you're visiting in the park, I I get you guys to some great hikes and they're all described in the guidebook. We've got those videos for them on that private YouTube page and they're all in there. Just all you guys got to do is read about them, pick them, look at one of the videos and see if you guys want to take your kids or your family back there to them. It's really, really cool. And so all in all, you guys, there's literally, like I mentioned earlier, three months worth of fun stuff to do in that guidebook. And I cover the best of the best of the best at Yellowstone Park. You're getting over a hundred years of knowledge dumped into that guidebook. I mean, you guys got to remember my grandfather drug my dad and his two brothers up there, taught them everything there is to know about Yellowstone Park. And then my father drugged me up there for my entire life and dumped all of that knowledge onto me and showed me everything there is about inside Yellowstone Park and the Grand Tetons as well as outside Yellowstone Park, all the fun stuff to go do. And all of that knowledge, that over 100 years of family knowledge of going up there over three generations is dumped into every guidebook for you guys. So, all right, that's it. You guys have made it to the end of this podcast. I want everybody to have a great time in Yellowstone Park and Grand Teton and all the outside areas. And trust me, I will see you guys in the parks. I practice what I preach. I see you guys in the parks every time I go in there. And everybody has a great time bombing around Yellowstone and Grand Teton National Park. So you guys have a great trip. I hope this podcast helped. But remember, this is just a quick gloss over of everything that's in the guidebook. Everything you need to know is in the guidebook. And you can save thousands of dollars by purchasing a guidebook and taking advantage of those money-saving tips on flights, lodging, and dining. And then how to save time in the park by picking up those one-day adventures and staying in front of all the crowds and everything else. It really, really works. I've got that guidebook screwed down tight. You guys have a great time. I'll see you in the park. Bye-bye.